What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is episode 180. Sean and I jumped right in. We talked about Inauguration Day today. After that, we talked some NBA. Following that, we talked MLB, and then we talked NBA. Talked a little pop culture after that. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, SorrySports.com. If you have anything to say, shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. I really got to check that email someday. Whatever. All right, everybody, enjoy the pod, and we'll be back next week. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Sorry to Interrupt. It's episode 180. It's inauguration week. It's come and gone. Already things feel just a little bit better, Tom, don't they? How you doing, man? Yeah, they do. Um, We're getting there. Um, Fuck you, Mitch McConnell. That's all I have to say. God, he sucks. Did you see that he... Fucking turtle-looking dude. He, um... He spoke out against Trump, like, the last... Like, the day he left. Probably yesterday. Yeah, of course, because it no longer meant anything. What so. a pussy. Literal pussy. Absolutely. No, he's fucking atrocious. Um, did how you, did you feel watching everything yesterday? Did you, did you tune in live to, to the events? Did you have an opportunity to? I was did, in and did out. Did you do YouTube? Yeah. I was in and out. Um, I, I enjoyed the festivities. Um, I know Joe Biden, or not Joe Biden, excuse me, President Joe Biden. Uh, Bernie Sanders has become a meme. How great are those memes, by the way? <laughs> He was just sitting having a good time. I mean, being socially the, distant with his mask on, you know? The mit- the mittens, dude. Amazing. He looks like uh, just America's grandpa there. He uh, does. He looks like hey. he's at one of my football games or something as a kid. <laughs> yeah, he might have been. Um, by the way, you see A-Rod there standing next to Obama. I had to troll a couple people that are not A-Rod lovers where I was just like, see, this is true greatness in I America saw, again. I saw J-Lo was there, so I had to figure A-Rod was looming somewhere. I did not oh, see him. Oh, of course. Oh, it was great. I'll send you a couple screenshots I took. It obviously is great. Best thing I did see was uh, Najee, I think her name is, the uh, niece of Kat- Pamela Harris. Her husband was wearing the uh, Dior Jordan 1s. What a place to wear it. Um God damn, I mean, those are uh, those are some pricey sneakers. I mean, what size are you, buddy? Me, I'm a twelve. Twelve, those are going for seventy seven hundred dollars right now. Oh yeah, I I don't think I'm getting them. Uh, no, probably not. I don't think they sell them at Kohl's, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I don't yeah, think that, they sell them anywhere I'm shopping. That bro. was uh, that was the best thing I saw. Was uh, by the way, we love Kohl's. Ones. We love Kohl's. You don't need to shit on a, on a, on a brand. But Nothing wrong with Kohl's. Nothing wrong with Kohl's. Um, let's get into this, man. So I watched his uh, President Biden speech. I thought it was pretty Biden. It wasn't really anything that different from his victory speech um, in Delaware. I thought it was everything that we knew it was going to be. He talked about unity. He talked about getting taking care of this pandemic and getting things under control and you know it's it's nice to hear coherent sentences it's nice to hear somebody speak about other other people other than themselves in that position and it's uh, it's no longer a singular position i guess and everything that's going to be done we saw that 
Uh, a couple of his first executive orders were putting us back, the U.S., that is, into the Paris Climate Agreement and the World Health Organization, two things that Trump really didn't want any part of. So nice to know that we're back into the good graces of scientists. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, exactly. So we're, we're off to a good start. Obviously, a lot of problems have to be eradicated, and that's going to take years upon years upon years. But I think this is a I, – I was very happy yesterday. I was in a good mood kind of all day. How about you? Yeah, man. I, it was refreshing. That's all. Refreshing is a perfect word. There it is. Uh, yeah, better moods yesterday, higher spirits. Um, it's, good to, it's good to know we're in better hands. Let's just hope we can turn this thing around. Seriously, man. And, and we have a lot more confidence in this administration than – Got whatever the hell the last four years. Doesn't it feel like already that the last four years was just a crazy nightmare that we just woke up to? Yeah, unfortunately, that crazy nightmare is going to take a lot of um, a lot of cleaning up mm-hmm. over the next four and probably eight and probably you know twelve and probably more. I think so, man. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of work to be done to repair the damage that those four years were, but just kind of like. You wake up and you're not like I, – I can't wait. I know we talked about this to like see nothing get done and I just can't wait to not pay attention to the president's press conferences. They've never mattered before and it's nice to know they really don't matter again now. Yes. Uh, let's let's finish off that impeachment though because, I mean, obviously he's already out of office. But if, he, if it does um, go through, that means he can't run again. Um, Again, I don't know if he would ever win. What are the chances? Blah, blah, blah. But again, we were saying that in 2016. I'd rather it just be a definite that he can't even run, much less win. Totally agree. Yeah, finish the impeachment. Make sure he's fully disgraced and uh, and has no shot at re- re-engaging in this terror that he brought on uh, from 2016 on. But uh, yes. I don't have much more to say. I'm also well, looking forward to, dude, to us just not talking politics that much. Yes, but speaking of your boy Trump. Um, My boy, don't you <laughs> fucking say that. I did, uh, I did happen to YouTube the OAN. I had completely forgotten about the whole Mike Gundy wearing their T-shirt and them being an actual network thing. Yeah. Um, I I've com- I, I should have done it, um, maybe made a separate Google account or, or something like that because I'm hoping it really doesn't screw up my YouTube algorithm uh, <laughs> and start recommending uh, some terrible videos. But I watched a few and specifically one that was basically, I think it was almost during when these terrorists were storming the Capitol. And it was as if it didn't even happen. And they were talking about Trump's lawyers and the impeachment and all this stuff and how, you know, there's no grounds for it. And it was just sickening. It it made me feel exactly how you would think it made me feel. Yeah, uh, I totally forgot about the Mike Gundy wearing the shirt too. Um, I definitely would have brought that up if that came to mind. But yeah, man, what a brand. We, we welcome Coles. We don't welcome OAN. Not on this pod anyway. Not at all. And um, it's a good thing that I've moved on from Mike Gundy, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think if one more slip up like that, and Oklahoma State will be ready to move on from Mike Gundy. Yeah, he lost a few players from that. They ended up opting out. Um, I mean, not that they were going to win anything anyways. Very true. But yeah, Chubba Hubbard came out about him and said like, yeah, there's a lot of repairing that needed to be done. This was all the way back in like May. So it's not mm-hmm. like we're breaking any story here. But yeah, uh, OAN, if you're, again, who on who is listening to our podcast and is also listening or watching OAN? So I feel like we can trash Except me, I guess. 
Now I'm hooked. Now I'm hooked. <laughs> Just kidding. And the other biggest news of the week was that my Johnny's went into stores Connecticut yes. and um, and beat your Yukon Huskies. Yeah, buddy, you must have felt good. I mean, that was. It was not more a of a, and the announcer said it at the end. It was uh, Yukon lost that game. St. John straight that stole game. that game. UConn did lose that game, but hey, St. John, your your boys play really tough, man. There there is no easy break there. Well, all my basketball teams, obviously my professional and my college, they both played. They play their asses off. They're not talent. They're not the most talented in the world, but they play hard. They really do, and there's something to be said about that because that work ethic just straight up beat a UConn team that got that moved into the top twenty-five. Obviously, James Booknight, one of the top players in america not just in the big east is out but that's no excuse uh st john's is a lesser talented team but man they played their fucking asses off and uconn couldn't shoot down the stretch and i was like all right tom you got a little bragging rights on the pod this week yeah the only guy i really like on st john's is champagne i mean he's leading the big east and scoring pretty good player who's that freshman that you have that's like just giving up his body left and right i can't think of the guy's name was that number five yeah yeah, he's he's going to be a player too. Um, just you know, I'm not. Re- I don't really know the roster like I used to, and that probably has something to do with the fact that uh, our coach is from the Midwest and doesn't recruit around the area and doesn't really go for five star guys, and it's a little disappointing. And you know, to put the cherry on top, Slick Rick Pitino is coaching. You know what? Twenty minutes up the road in in New Rochelle at Iona, and we could have had him for nothing. Yeah, you're you're still bitter about that, I know. I will never not be bitter about that. But with that being said, let's move on, and we are going to talk NBA first. Your netters, man. Kyrie is finally back. Um, he said that he needed some time away, personal time, whatever it may be. Listen, I think Kyrie's a great human being, but we already expressed how we felt about that. Kyrie, maybe just call in sick next time. Um how you feeling about uh, the Nets? The only time these three have been on the court, Colin Sexton, the young bull, went off on him. Dude, Colin Sexton, what a fucking night he had. And and it was interesting. I mean, it was certainly a game that I never really thought they would lose because you think even if you play like shit, talent eventually is going to win out. They had a really impressive win without Kyrie on MLK night against uh, Milwaukee Bucks. 125, 123, and you thought that was going to carry over. You had positive momentum. Kyrie's back. Listen, in this weird year of the NBA when teams are not practicing really because there's pretty much a game every other night, so your practices are pretty much being done in the film room, it's going to take a while for these guys to gel. We know that. Every great big three is taking a long time. You should beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. But, hey, Kyrie put up 37 last night. Durant had 38. Uh, Harden only had 21. He had a very quiet triple-double. Early on, they were clearly trying to get Kyrie active and and be the aggressor. James Harden shot the ball 14 times. He needs to shoot more than that. They've been a little too pass-happy. First time I've ever heard that. I know. And and you don't know what what that is, right? Is it learning to play with other guys? Yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit to gel. I mean, that's from the Nets' perspective. Obviously, it was a shitty loss. You don't want to lose to the Cavs, but it happened. 
Sexton had the game of his life. What did you take away from a non-Nets fan? Just uh, did you watch the game? I'm sure you saw highlights if you didn't. No, I watched. I watched bits and pieces of the game. I had a little money riding on it. Uh, I was live betting the Nets when they got plus money. So, unfortunately, that didn't work out for me in double overtime. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a few looming things. One, this is going to take a little bit of time, like you said, and I think the Nets have that time. I mean, aside from the Sixers and the Bucks. There's really no other players in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I mean, I guess the Celtics, you could say, Mm. and and a few others. But the Nets are going to have time to figure this out. Um, For me, it's just James Harden needs to learn how to learn again, basically, how to play without the ball in his hands. Because, I mean, you look at it, when it was him and Westbrook and him and CP3, D'Antoni staggered their minutes, so... They, they they were able to cook, basically, because they weren't on the floor together until the final five minutes, and it wasn't like a hot potato, your turn, my turn kind of thing. But luckily for the Nets, D'Antoni's on this staff, so I think that's going to be a big thing. And again, it was the first game. The other looming thing, I'm going to say it again, is the big man. Um, that's something that you can't figure out. You're going to have to go out and get that on the open market. Can't really trust DeAndre Jordan, who... Has really fallen off a cliff, in my opinion. He'll have his moments, but he's not the dominant uh, lob pick and roll lob guy and rebounder that he used to be, as well as defender. Um, I think that's going to get solved as well, and the Nets are going to be just fine. Yeah, it's funny actually. I, I feel a little bit differently about DeAndre, just from one aspect that you said. Overall, I agree he's not what he was, and he's kind of a liability on defense unless he's playing another kind of also a liability center. at the free throw line. Oh, well, he always has been. I mean, that's that's a given. But uh, I was saying last night, I was, I was talking to my buddy. I was like, you know, honestly, at this point, the Harden and Kyrie duo here honestly might revitalize Jordan's career as a pick-and-roll, get-to-the-rim alley-oop guy. Because the passes that Harden and Durant – or uh, Harden and Irving dropped to him. There was a couple times last night where they just put it right above the basket and DeAndre went to get it. Outside of that, he really can't do anything. I agree with you. Obviously, we talked about it last week. A couple bigs you got to bring in because even when they go small, I mean, unless they make a shot every time, they just simply can't rebound. Yeah, and not to mention, I mean, let's talk about a team in the Milwaukee Bucks as well as the 76ers. They both have big men that, that can pull them away from the basket and, and – mm-hmm. And they're creators. I mean, Embiid can shoot the ball. Giannis is a, is a play creator where he's going to get the ball at half court and have it in his hands. And DeAndre is going to get pulled away from the basket and not be able to do what he does best, which is rebound and block shots. So you're going to need to get another guy in there that's a much more versatile big. Who was yeah. Jared Allen, unfortunately. you know, He was <laughs> a know. casualty of Harden. Obviously, you miss Jared Allen. But 10 out of 10 times, I think you're going to make that Harden trade. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Harden's boy, P.J. Tucker, and Kevin Durant's former Texas teammate is a, is a perfect shoe-in for this. Um, maybe you trade a Dinwiddie contract for that. Maybe you trade some other ancillary pieces. There's a few other guys out there. Um, maybe, I don't know where Ersan Ilyasova is, but he seems like a nice fit as well for a bigger guy. Um, but I, I think you need somebody. Yeah, the two names on my board are, are um, P.J. Tucker and JaVale McGee. 
One is another big-bodied center that is going to get you rebounds around the basket, which you need. And the other is P.J. Tucker, who does exactly what you said, stretch stretch the floor and get the other opposing center to, to come And he's out also with. not going to get in the way. P.J. Tucker's perfect because, you know, these guys need to cook. Like I said, the, all three of these guys at, at their core are isolation basketball players. Kyrie, to an extent, and KD can play without the ball. But to have a big man in there clogging up the paint, unless you're running the pick and roll with them, I mean, wouldn't you rather have P.J. Tucker standing in the corner when he's wide open and he's going to bang that three? I mean, Joe Harris must just be giddy. Oh, my God, dude. Joe Harris is he's, he's already lethal. And I mean, look I, at him. He's like, I never, ever, ever have to put – even though he can, don't get me wrong. Sure. He can dribble and he can put the ball on the floor. He does, that's not his game and he doesn't want to do that and now he doesn't have to. He may never right. take a dribble again this year. <laughs> he's and I'm sure be- he's fine. He's going to be like that Clay Thompson, obviously, white, where it's just he's going to have a game, I bet you, where he hits like six threes and not a single time was the ball dribbled or put on the floor. You know, it, it's it's a great it's a great thing to have a, a player like that. And I think the Nets envisioned even before they got hardened that that was going to be very paramount in their offense where you had at least two explosive playmakers draw all the attention and you're going to have Harris open because the defense can only account for so many people. Um, It was interesting last night, the times in which Kyrie and Harden were on the floor together without Durant, Harden was actually playing the point Mm. and and, and Kyrie was playing off the ball. Kyrie's a better mover without the ball and he's a better, I I think he's a better catch and shoot guy than Harden is and that's just because Harden has improved it. Off the dribble, give me Harden over anybody, but... Yeah, man. No, I I was just going to say, I think that is the right move to make there. I think Kyrie is much better to run without the ball. Remember, he was doing that when Dinwiddie was on the floor with him at the same time. Dinwiddie took the ball up a lot more. Um, Kyrie is just, he's the best pure shooting point guard by far in the league, where he doesn't have to have the ball and create whoa, plays whoa, whoa. to Let's be able chill to make for a sec. Let's chill for a sec. Not, not Steph, sorry. Steph Curry sorry, plays Steph. basketball, yeah, right? Sorry. He <laughs> didn't become about... a full-time professional golfer yet, did he? Forgot about, forgot about <laughs> Steph. Obviously, boy, would I like to have that minute back. But yeah, outside of Steph, um, for sure. I'm not but, cutting yeah. that out either. No, I know. I, and I deserve that. But he's one of. He's definitely not deep. If Steph wasn't in the league, I'd, I wouldn't have fought you on that. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, but you know, Thank the you other for thing, calling me out on that. Uh, we, I had to on that one. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, the other thing is I think after maybe three weeks, you wait and see on this, and I, you will see James Harden cut a little bit more. He's not going to have a choice. I agree with you on that. Because he's not totally sorry. Listen, this is, a, this is a three-headed monster, and aside from Harris – they're going to score probably 70 to 75% of your team's points most nights. And mm-hmm. 21 points, like you said, even though it was a nice little triple-double, against these better teams in the league from James Harden, it's not going to cut it. So he's going to have to figure out other ways to score. Lots of times last night where I was screaming at Harden to just take over and have a run where he made three straight baskets or get to the line a couple times. And I understand he he's probably trying to pass the ball more, and you, maybe that's in his head. He's I don't a great know. passer. He is. It's but just now he's forced. trying. Yes, 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 exactly what I was going to say. Now he's trying to force it because he's trying to play nice with these new teammates. But you know what? He's going to have to change his game a little bit. He's going to – I mean, imagine how great he would be off the catch. I believe he's probably a great catch and shooter. Or 
if his defender actually had to pay attention to him because Kyrie has the ball, Kevin Durant, you know, at the top of the key, he's running a pick and roll with DeAndre Jordan, and James Harden actually cut to the basket and got a wide-open layup or a dunk. Yep. No, there's going to be a lot of adjustments he has to make, but that's the good part about being in the East, which I want to talk to you about in a little bit when we talk about our most impressive and our most disappointing of the week. Um, outside of Philly and Milwaukee, which you mentioned, I really don't feel a threat for any of these teams. Yeah, and you I want to talk about most disappointing. Um, I know Miami's had some had some bouts with COVID, but for a team that went to the finals last year, they might be one of my most disappointing. You're gonna bury the lead on that one, or are you or are you gonna or are you gonna mention that? It's already in. One? It's already in. There. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, they, we're we're just going right into it if we're gonna talk Eastern Conference, right? Sure. I was going to talk about your Knicks first, but they deserve a little bit of due, bro. We gave them due last week. What else is there to say? They won a back-to-back after killing Boston and beating Orlando in back-to-back. That never happens. That hasn't happened in decades. Listen, I'm loving I'm loving the fire that they're playing with. Just like St. John's, they play their asses off, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from these young guys. Quigley is a player. He's good. I mean, that's he may, in my opinion... It has been falling for him. The floater is going to get figured out from him because every time he gets inside the free throw line, it's a floater. But I love it as a weapon. He just needs to change it up a little bit. Right now it's working, though. Yeah, it really is. I thought this would be, of all the weeks to talk, Knicks, for two minutes. This is the one to do it. That was They absolutely destroyed the Celtics and the Magic. But I guess, you know. Magic game was one of the hardest games I've had to watch in a long time. But, hey. Listen, speaking of the Magic, uh, I know I picked them to make the playoffs, but I wouldn't even call them disappointing because um, they lost faults for the year. Isaac was already out for the year, and Aaron Gordon, he needs to get traded. He looks lost. He is lost on that team. This team needs to revolve around a pick and roll of Vucevic and Cole Anthony. Vucevic is a problem. If I'm a, if yeah, I'm they a really signed him to a con- big contract, too, so I think he's there to stay. Yeah, I was going to say, before that, if I was a team trying to find a center, he is the ideal center to get. But, yeah, he's the, he's locked in for a long time. Yeah. I think Aaron Gordon's a major trade piece that a lot of playoff teams are going to be looking at. Um, Celtics are one of them. I'm trying to think, of, can you throw some other teams at me that might be interested? Uh, Maybe Denver. I, I don't know what they'd have to give up, though. I was wondering about Utah. Utah would be interesting. They need a little bit more scoring as well. I think Utah was another victim of the Knicks earlier this year. Uh, they were. Yeah, they, they lost back-to-backs to both New York teams. Um, if we're going to talk about most disappointing, I'm just going to say Celtics right now. Uh, it's, at 8-5, and five, they, huh? At 8-5, and five because you know what? I need it's to crazy start how a week them. changes things because they were leading the Eastern Conference about a week and a half ago. And that's fine. Right now, I think there's literally from like the sixth seed to the first seed within a game and a half or two games separating in mm-hmm. the loss column. But they, how do you lose by? They were losing by forty to the Knicks at home. Yep. On Sunday, and then they turn around and they play last night against Philly, and they lose. And I didn't think the game was as close as the score indicated. I thought Philly had command of that game. I know Tatum didn't play in the Sunday game against New York. I don't know if he played last night or not, but the same old issues here is who's going to be the main play, the main playmaker 
as you get down the stretch, is it going to be Tatum or Brown? And sometimes it seems like there's a little dueling Banjos action there. Mm. And Kemba is just unplayable against a couple of guys that he's going to be competing with to get out of the East. He can't play against Simmons. He can't play against Kyrie. Uh, he's and I love Kemba, but he's you almost can't play him out there. Yeah, it's it's really tough when you start saying multiple guys that they can't play him against. I mean, in the league, there's always guys that don't play well against certain people and play well against other people and whatever. But when you start naming multiple guys, that one he can't stop on defense, and then two on the other side of the ball just gets completely swallowed up by them. It's pretty bad, and Kemba. Just looks, he was hurt last year and he does not look like he's recovered. Um, Celtics, I think, have a trade. It's a shame. I mean, Kemba was a big money contract, but would you rather Terry Rozier if you're the Celtics right now? I mean, oh, he was God. a former Celtic. He was. That's such a tough question because I don't think Rozier is anything more than a nice player on an average team. But hey, you never know. At least he's healthy, right? I mean, Kemba. Younger too. Yeah, that's a that's a rough. True, he's younger as well. Yeah, it's tough, man. And Kemba brings. So and you much also to have to take you have to take into account it's either it, Kelly or excuse me, uh, Terry is eighteen million and Kemba's thirty five million. So well, yeah, right. There, that's, that's a big glaring number. You know, who's a guy I was just thinking about, and he would fit Boston great, and he would obviously fit the Nets really well too. Aaron Baines on mm. Toronto. That team is is going nowhere fast. They're playing in Tampa. They don't look good. Lowry can will them to wins. They still have a talented backcourt, but I think Aaron Baines is going to be a very attractive big man name on he the trade market. He can shoot it a little bit. Well, he's that perfect kind of guy. Yeah, he can step out and hit shots, and he's also a good rebounder around, yeah. the, around the basket. And he, and he plays hard, too. Uh, and he can, you can put him in in crunch time, and and he's not going to fuck up, which is I think is a lot bigger compliment than what it sounds like. If I'm not mistaken, he was finishing games at center on that Celtics team that lost to the Cavs in Game Seven yeah. a few years ago. Yes, absolutely. Um, but back to the Heat, man. They are the ten seed right now. They're six and seven. They need to step it up, and they might they might have to look at a trade. I mean, Iguodala is kind of is he washed? I don't know what he is. Is he a guy that you literally only need for the postseason because of his savvy and you kind of just well, deal with him in the regular season? You're barely in the in the playing game right now. I, I understand they've only played, you know, 13, 14 games, but sheesh, are you gonna, you know, I know you want him for the playoffs, but you might have to replace him for the regular season. I think they I think really miss Crowder. I think they miss Crowder a lot too. Uh he, he's just a guy that makes every team he's on better. What I was going to say to you is Miami a little too early to make a decision on right now. I guess you can say that for a lot of teams, but they were in the NBA Finals last yeah, year I mean, playing well into October. I, I definitely think it's – I think they're contenders regardless. I mean, they could be the, the 15 seed right now, and I would still say they're in it. Just because of Jimmy and, and Tyler Hero is a killer and all the other guys that got on that team. But, I, I mean, if you're going to commit to being a contender, I, one more week of this under 500 basketball, uh, it might be time to hit the panic button. I, I, I don't totally disagree. I guess my question is, you know, you look at a Lakers team, right, that did win in the NBA Finals, and they came back, but they inserted a lot of new pieces that weren't part of that team. And you also have LeBron and AD that are going to win games on their own. They'll take a night off here or there. They'll have a game where they kind of just look 
disinterested like the Warriors game the other night. But generally speaking, the Heat don't have that talent. They don't have guys that are going to absolutely carry you on many, on many nights. And I look at a guy like Iguodala, who's played deep into the postseason for the last six, seven years, and he was playing in the bubble last year, getting to the finals. He might just not have his legs underneath him at this old age. Yeah, he might need a little more time and, and a little more seasoning. Another team, and I mentioned them in my disappointments last week, specifically Luka. Dallas is still yet to turn it around. They're at an even 500. They're a nine seed right now. They're pretty disappointing. I haven't really watched any of them this year. So I mean, you missing tell me Porzingis, better. classic missing Porzingis. I feel like you can say that at any time during the NBA season. But that's a big, that's a big loss for them. And then not having Curry around and the lack of shooting is really hurting them. Curry had a lot of big games for them last year. Mm-hmm. And losing a guy like that on that team, I mean, they they tried to get more tough around the perimeter defensively, but that's hurt them offensively. I haven't really watched them to comment on them. Uh, Boston, to me, right now is the biggest disappointment. I think any time, no matter how hard the Knicks play, if you lose by 25 and it was 40 at home, I mean, I don't care if Tatum's not playing. I mean, that team couldn't rebound. They were just throwing the ball all over the place. And uh, then subsequently losing to Philly, and not just losing, but showing that they're really not at the same caliber despite having plenty Mm. of talent on their own. To me, that was, for my week, the most disappointing team. Another Another disappointing team, and aside from the Detroit Pistons, this team is a team that we expected to contend, and their roster just, like, does not make sense to me. That's the Pelicans at the 12 seed right mm-hmm. now at 5-8. and eight. I mean, Zion's been putting up big numbers as well as you shouted him out last week, Brandon Ingram, but Steven Adams is playing big minutes, and they gave him an extension that just made zero sense to me. He's a paint clogger for them, and I thought he would have been an interesting trade piece had they not extended him to get a few more draft picks in there. Lonzo's been hurt. Um, I, I just don't get this team at all. They haven't made sense since the first time I watched them on Christmas Day against Miami. And everything that they want to do, which is having these playmakers explode to the basket and be this athletic rim-running team that's also able to stretch you out. Redick really hasn't done much for them. I think he's a trade candidate. And then, like you said perfectly, you've got a guy like Adams who commands the ball in the middle of the paint. And everyone else on that roster is trying to make plays in that area, and he's just in the way. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, and that's a good call on Redick. Maybe send his ass back to the Sixers or to Brooklyn. Both teams would love him. I mean, every team would love him. Yeah. You can get another shooter. I mean, God, can I, can you imagine what Brooklyn would be if they had Reddick instead of Shamit right now? Yeah. But you know what? Don't give up on Shamit. I think he's a good player and he's going to come around. And he's great defensively. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not done on him. I'm just, you know, as of right now, you have a guy who's pretty much unplayable in certain in certain games and then you'd have a guy like reddick who clearly is as basketball savvy in addition to an assassin from the three-point line as as anybody in the league still when he's when he's playing the minutes he should yeah absolutely last thing i want to mention is the t wolves not that i care about that team at all carl anthony towns coming down with covid man that's that sucks especially given the history with him and covid I mean, I think he's lost, including his mother, like six family, six close family members to COVID. Fucking brutal, dude. And he's a great kid. And we can talk about what he might be as a player. It, that doesn't matter right now. 
you, you feel for him so badly and he is just whether it's been COVID or the wrist injury or whatever else it, it's been he's in a it's been a wasteland for him in Minnesota and yeah, you really feel for him, and you hope he get, heals up and doesn't suffer too many lingering effects from this terrible virus. Yeah, man, absolutely. Hopefully he gets better soon. Um, before we jump into the MLB and we talk about dick pics, um, do you have anything that you're impressed by? I'm impressed as hell by Philly. Yeah, that's my they, team, man. Yeah, they're, they are better than I thought they'd be, and I was very curious to see how they'd play over the week when Simmons knew that he was going to be traded and that was going to be the centerpiece of Harden trade, and you have players on that team getting ready to ship out. And Simmons hasn't played that well already yet either. No, he hasn't, but... They're fighting through it. Embiid is on is on one this year and that's something you love to see and they absolutely have more shooting now than they do Tobias Harris is in such a better position to be the Tobias Harris that we saw a few years ago on this team with Horford out out of the way um they really are impressive they're still capable of having a couple of those games where you're like what the fuck happened to Philly like did they even show up but overall they've risen to every occasion in this young season Absolutely. Uh, for me, it's the Warriors, man. Five seed yeah. right now, eight and six. Wiseman looks like a monster. Draymond's coming back, playing with his hair on fire, playing really good defense. And, and Curry's just reminding everybody how great he is. Blazers right behind him. I was really disappointed to see McCollum go down because I actually picked the Blazers as like my two or three seed. And McCollum was shooting like 50% from three and averaging almost 30. Um, hopefully he can get well soon. Yeah, you had them as your three seed, and uh, Curry's reminding everybody of who he is, apparently, ever, uh, everyone other than me. But yeah, when I have watched him, I mean, that game he had against the Lakers, obviously he's, I think he's 13 threes away from from um, going past Reggie Miller, and he just is an infectious personality that's great for the league to have back. Yeah, he's the fucking man. He's the absolute best superstar. Um, probably the most lovable. He's great. Um, can't wait to see him on the PGA Tour following this. We're going to be getting into golf soon. Golf has already started up. Some big tournaments are coming up. Cannot wait to talk about it, but that is for next time. Let's talk MLB, my friend. Let's do it, man. A couple signings this week and another arm going to San Diego. Yes. Um, let's talk some of the signings. Um, first of all, a little bit of a head-scratcher with the Michael Brantley signing. Uh, he looked like he was all signed, sealed, and delivered to Toronto, but then he turns around and returns to Houston. Um, I don't really know what happened there. Maybe Bleacher Report made a mistake, but he's back in Houston. George Springer decides to uh, sign in Toronto for, I believe, $150 million. If I Am I wrong, Sean? You're 100% right, Thank and you. for six years. And and he dubbed the Mets, but I don't really blame him because I believe they were only offering him 125 and $25 million, nothing to shake his stick at. I tell you what, dude, and I, I'm, I'm sure you're going to agree. Springer's career numbers against the Yankees, both regular and postseason, have not been great. And I know that Houston lineup's been dynamic for many years now, even though they cheat. <laughs> but the fucking Blue Jays... I mean, you're adding a legitimate number one hitter with power, speed, and gets on base to Bichette, Guerrero, Biggio, Grichik, 
uh, Guriel. I mean, it's like what in the shit? I mean, this team is going to just they went they were already a great offensive team. They took it up another level. Jansen, their catcher. I mean, I can't imagine for them offensively that they could have signed anybody better for that team than Springer. How do you feel? Definitely agree. They're going to have to win a lot of games 10-8 to because their pitching staff uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Um, but, yeah, I'd love the move for them. I, I think he's going to come at a great price, and he's still pretty young as well. Yeah, he is. He's pretty much entering the prime of his career, which is scary. But, yes. uh, he's yeah, he's, he's a dynamic player, no doubt. Brantley going back to Houston, um, do we care? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, love I mean, Brantley, he's the player. He's a hell of a hitter, uh, good defender, although has no arm. But that's a very small left field there in Houston. So uh, he adds a lot to that lineup. And if you're going to lose Springer, you need another guy to plug in and be able to be a reliable bat. And that's exactly what Brantley is. I think Houston would have been in deep shit if they lost both. Yeah, definitely. All right, a few more signings to go through, then we'll talk about the trade, and then we'll talk about um, New York's second baseball team. Uh, John Lester to the Nats, and then another lefty, Jose Quintana. I'm a little disappointed by this one. To the Angels, I kind of wanted to see him in pinstripes. Um, First of all, let's talk about the two signings. Then we'll bring it back, and we'll say, what does this mean for the Yankees and them looking for pitching? Go ahead, John. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh you know, Lester, I don't know how much he has left, but the Cubs clearly believe that it was not much at all. Uh, I think he would have liked to finish his career there. So he goes to Washington, which also took a gamble on Kyle Schwarber. So they're getting two Cubs who are casualties of their dumpster fire and contract shedding. Hey, we'll see what Lester can do for him. You know, if he can give him a nice first half, if he can put together a couple of starts uh, at the back end of that rotation, hey, he gets to follow uh, Corbin. Scherzer and Strasburg, that ain't too bad. Not too bad at all. The Nats are looking like a team that is on the come up. Quintana to the Angels, um, that's basically baseball purgatory, aside from Mike Trout. Um, How do you feel about that? I'm disappointed. Yeah, Quintana was a name that kind of just went through, kind of you, you forgot that he was even a free agent still. He was not good. The last few years with the Cubs, and I know he's still. I thought an he could turn that game. around, especially with our new pitching coach. I really wanted him. Yeah, I don't think it took much for for Anaheim to get him. Guess so. the Yanks didn't feel the same. Yeah, I guess not, and, and I don't think many other teams did either. The Angels are interesting though because they have been baseball purgatory. But what's interesting about them is not only do they have Trout, but they obviously have Rendon too. They mm-hmm. have Joe Adele. They, they have some interesting players there. Otani. Yep. So let's see what they're going to do because there is a notification that popped up on BR today from, from John Heyman saying that right now the Mets and the Angels appear to be the front runners for Bauer. So mm. if the Angels can find a way to get Bauer to solve their many pitching woes, I would not be shocked if they also turned their attention to a Tanaka or a Paxton if they don't get Bauer or maybe even if they do, who knows. Uh, they could turn they could turn themselves around a little bit in an AOS that outside of Houston, I'm really not sure is all that good. So, talk to me about the Yankees pitching. Is Paxton becoming more of a player as these uh, as these things figure themselves out? Maybe he'll take a little discount, one year show me deal. 
unfortunately, man, I really don't. I really don't have more for you than we had last Friday after the Kluber signing. I thought you were plugged in. I'm disappointed. I, I don't even think anybody is. There have been no rumblings about players on the trade market. Although we should mention that after we did that podcast last weekend's trade rumors were dominated by a possible Luis Castillo of the Reds to the Yankees, and then it turns out that the Reds wanted Glaber Torres. And I'm just going to say this right now. It, yes, this is going to sound like a bitter Yankee fan, but I, I know you'll agree with me, so I don't sound, I don't feel as bad. I keep watching all these trades happen, and yes, there's all these prospects, and yes, there's all of these you know overhyped guys in single and double A who we have no idea about yet that get moved for these big-name guys. And every time the Yankees are in one of these trade rumors, I feel like these teams are asking for legitimately like part of their major league core. It's like well, the Reds are going to, if they trade Castillo, watch him get moved to like the freaking Blue Jays for like their third best prospect and a couple of low-level guys. And they're asking the Yankees for fucking Glaber Torres. Like, give me a break. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why, but the Yankees seem to, when it comes to trade talks, kind of get raked over the coals recently. I don't think teams want to trade their best players to the Yankees, so they're going to ask for stupid return, which obviously isn't going to happen. Yeah, Castillo's a nice pitcher, but to be honest, unless you're getting a pitcher better than your best pitcher, you cannot trade Glaber Torres. So that means that you have to get a guy better than Garrett Cole. So, Couldn't that agree exists. More. I mean, yeah. he's, okay, fine. I'll, I'll listen. Yeah, yeah. I, if you're getting, maybe the only other one would be, I know he's a couple of years older now, but I, I still would put DeGrom in that category. DeGrom, yeah, maybe maybe sprinkle his Scherzer in. I, I don't even think so. No, not now. No. Not now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's bullshit. But, but you know that they're not serious. That, to me, says they're not, and I've obviously spoken to my sports dad about this, Um that just to me means that they're not that serious. Yeah, I, I think that's totally true. And I think your sports dad is right on that. No, um, I said that to him. Oh, you said that to him. Well, yes. then you're. Because he, right he was asking, him. he was angry, he was heated. And I was like, listen, <laughs> man, I mean, they're clearly not that serious. You kicked the can, you did your due diligence, and, and then you hung up the phone. Let's just keep it moving and, and let's maybe talk to Paxson and see if he'll come back on a one year show me deal just to shore up this pitching staff. I mean, to the looks of it right now, it's the same as last week. We have, I mean, who do we got? We got obviously Cole, the number one. Number two, I guess I'll throw Kluber in there. Number three, we have Domingo Herman. Four, you have, uh, what's his face, um, Jordan, Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery. And then five, you have, uh, we'll see how they do in spring training between Clark Smith, King, and then if you think uh, Debbie Garcia is a starter, which I don't. Yeah, or or I think King is the most likely of the ones you know is a reliever, and then you've also got um, Glow Isaga in there too, uh, who's had some success as a starter. Yeah, so, d- to be honest, I think Devi Garcia's got a better shot at being a starter than um, than what's his face than Loisaga. I think you stick Loisaga in the pen. I mean, the pen looks fine. I, I know we lost. Um, What's his face? Tommy Tightpants, as my girlfriend likes to call him. Um, <laughs> but you still have a Chad Green. You still got mm-hmm. Chapman. Still got Britton. So they need Ottavino to turn it around. Ottavino, they need Ottavino to go back to what he was in the first half of nineteen. Well, he needs to get that slider spinning. That's all. Um, I know that I made it sound like such an easy task. Um, 
and, and then you move Lawise again to the pen, and and you if you move him in there, and maybe King, then maybe we'll never ever have to see your boy Luis Sessa again. I would not mind that at all. Jonathan Holder is gone. He's a Cub now, so I don't have to watch him. Um, as far as just putting a bow on this with Paxton, um, I don't know. You know, he's a Boris guy. Uh, are there really teams that are going to be entering camp that are not going to take a gamble on him on like a two-year, twenty-something million dollar deal? No or chance. Maybe he bro. Really he's definitely going to get that deal. Yeah, exactly. So if he wants the one, maybe he does go back to the Yankees. Because if the Mets if the Mets lose on Bauer, I think he's a shoe in. Sure, it, the Angels, as we talked about before, make a lot of sense. Whoever There's loses Bauer, I think. To be honest, I think that's what Paxton's waiting for. Toronto. Yeah, whoever's in on Bauer and takes the L, I think they're gonna be. It's gonna be a bidding war for Paxton, and he's just gonna watch that bank account get fat. Good for him, I guess. Yeah, he wants to be a loser. That's cool. He's still he's still young enough to where even though he had a really bad uh, couple starts and then and then missed the rest of the year because of the injury, he went ten and zero in the second half of nineteen. Like he's he's a legitimately awesome number two mm-hmm. when he's healthy. So if I'm a team, I'm saying okay, fine, yeah, I'll take a chance on you. And Tanaka's the wild card. Does he go back? to japan is he gonna pitch on the west coast somewhere is a team gonna offer him or the mets gonna offer him a deal because it seems like there's zero chance of the yankees bringing him back i don't think so unless it's at a crazy discount we're gonna have to call roger clemens and see if he'll come out of retirement i think he's still pitching independently bull cue up the susan waldman i was gonna say if you want to hear susan cry roger roger <laughs> of all the dramatic things <laughs> Oh man, she's welcome on the pod though, just to get a oh, few extra lessons. Oh, we love lessons. Susan Waldman, but yes. if it, hey, you gotta you gotta enjoy it from the Homer perspective, which is like Jesus, that was something else. All right, my friend, one more thing to talk about, and then we're gonna drop the bomb about the Mets. Um, Joe Musgrove traded to the Padres. Uh, I, I gotta look up his last year. What, how is he? He's a good pitcher, dude. He he had he didn't pitch much last year. Obviously, nobody did, but mm-hmm. he's a very good pitcher. He's got a good ground ball rate. He was part of the Garrett Cole trade that sent uh, Cole from Pittsburgh to Houston and and Musgrove from Houston to Pittsburgh. And he was kind of that in between. Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? He's turned out to be a nice little starter. Yeah, very uh, good. Very good. San Diego. Yeah, so he's going to San Diego, and this team does not stop getting arms and trades and Musgrove was a guy I really would have liked the Yankees to target and maybe they did but we talked about how rich this Padres system still is even with many of the moves that they've made and they still have the top pitching prospect in the game who might not start this year but you expect to see him uh good for the Padres man they just keep going for it yeah I mean listen I guess they're it's interesting to see because I feel like they might they would have waited like two more years for this Dodgers uh, run to figure itself out, but they're really going for it. Uh, cool for them, I guess. I feel like this is a once every few years thing where they kind of go all in, but this is more than they've ever done. Well, you saw them get Hosmer, and then the next offseason was Machado, and you bring up Tatis, and you got Myers there, and you've had this abundance of riches in the minor league system that started to come up with Chris Paddock. And at this point now, 
you can't wait around anymore because these guys are about to hit their peaks or they're in their primes. Hosmer's a guy, I don't know how much many years of his prime he has left, but he's still a damn good player. You can't wait around. This is your opportunity, and maybe you don't overtake the Dodgers in the NL West, but you get a wild card team and you get a chance to beat them in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their pitching staff is insane. It is. It, it really is. I mean, you have Paddock, who you already had. You already had Lamette. You you traded for Clevenger, who's like going to be – when he comes back, he's going to be like extra. Fucking Snell. Oh, my God. They just have so many guys. Darvish. Yep. And, and who was that? Who was the – um. Who was a hitter that they had last year that that wore no gloves that absolutely went off? A hitter that went off. He had no bat. He wore no batting gloves. I can't remember off the top of my head. I can't remember his name either. Well, they have Will Myers. Trey Grisham. Oh, Trey Grisham. Yes, yes, yes. Trent Grisham. He was nasty last year. They got Grisham, and, and Myers is still on that team, so... Yeah, there's that team's good. That team's really good, and they've won the off season. I don't care what else happens. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I think that they're going to be poised for at the very least a wild card next year. Um, all right, let's talk about the Mets, my friend. First thing that made me scratch my head here was that Sandy Alderson said they're not going to hire a GM till the off season. Aren't we in the off season? <laughs> I was like, well, uh, oh, you're going to hire I'm concerned. <laughs> the fuck? We're in January. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear that, but that's really funny. I, I hope he knows where he is. Yeah, maybe he needs to be checked on and uh, take a look at some nursing homes, Matt. Um, with that being said, why don't you give us a recap on what happened with the uh, the Mets' former GM? Yeah, so Jared Porter got fired by the Mets after a story surfaced from ESPN's uh, Mina Kimes and Jeff Passan about him sending explicit photos and pretty much harassing this female reporter back um, in 2016. The story originally came out in 17, or it was brought to the attention of reporters, but it was never surfaced because this female reporter was still working in the game, and she was afraid that this was going to cost her her career in journalism. So uh, she has not worked in MLB. She moved back to her native country which is undisclosed, and she felt like this was a time with the Me Too movement and all the terrible uh, transgressions that we've seen uh, against female reporters and journalists across the sports world uh, and the whole world, really, um, that she wanted to bring this up and have and have ESPN release it. So this was back when he was working for the Cubs. He also worked for the Diamondbacks, Jared Porter. He was known as a really good baseball guy. And might be a really be, might be a very good baseball guy. Obviously, the Mets thought so by bringing him in. The background checks worked out, but I thought what was very telling was when Sandy Alderson was asked, "Did you have any background work done on him?" and he said, "Yeah, his his reputation was squeaky clean." And the next question by the uh, by the reporter asked, "Did you ask any women?" and he said very quickly, "No." And I think that's a huge problem because um, I'm sure they would have known before this i give the mets credit uh for firing him as quickly as they did it didn't even take 10 hours obviously you have to get all the facts right before you can just fucking fire him but steve cohen used his personal twitter account and said that will not be tolerated alderson reiterated all that 
just a shitty thing to see. I, I don't I don't want to take this as a chance to bash the Mets and have fun at the Mets' expense. This is a much bigger issue here. Um, I'd like you to talk about it a little bit more too, because it's just disgusting, and we we unfortunately see this way too often. Tough scene, man. Um, you know, I I, uh, I had a coworker like this, and I I tried talking to him. I was like, man, I mean, obviously he didn't go to the extent of the dick pic, but it would be like he'd be talking to a girl and he'd quadruple text her and this, that, and the third. And I'd just be like, bro, like, what are you doing? Like, it just makes me scratch my head how some people are and how some people's minds work. Um, It's disgusting. Um, I don't really know where he thought text number 61 and 62 were going to go. Um... Just, yeah, a real head-scratcher. For the Mets organization, I mean, a year ago, you hire a manager for, what, 48 hours. You fire him. That sucks. Obviously not their fault. Doesn't look good, though. Then you hire a GM. Make a lot of great moves. And then, unfortunately, um, this comes out, and you fire him two weeks later. That sucks. Um but yeah, it, it really is a bad, it's a bad bad job by the Mets not asking any women or, or really doing true research. I mean, great, he's a good baseball guy um, and he knows his stuff, but we're not, it's not, you know, 1970 anymore. You need to be, you need to be a decent person if you're going to be in the public eye. I think the hard part about this was was that the story was sat on. I mean, I listened to both Mina Kimes and Jeff Pass and talk about the story on various. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. But again, if you're if you have all that kind of money like Steve Cohen and the Mets do now, if you do a little bit of digging, you're gonna you're gonna be able to get to that before you hire the guy. I. I'll go a little bit different. I'm not going to blame this. I'm not going to blame that because if the woman decided that she didn't want the story being put out there, the only two people that knew about it had it, and no one's going to go to Jeff Passan and Mina Kimes and ask, "Hey, do you know anything about this?" But guy? again, if you if you like, this doesn't sound like a one time deal where the guy thought the woman there was in love go. with him and they had a connection. Like there it, you go. I, I it's a terrible thing and it's sad to say, but. Do you think she's the only woman, or is she the only one that's speaking up? No, I think that's exactly what it is. That's where I was going to turn it. I was going to say, hey, if you do your due diligence, you might not have undercovered the story, but you definitely would have, I'm sure, heard from other women in the baseball world that would have had something to say about him, or just any part of uh, of the world, because it's a clear power trip. That's, That's what guys in this position generally do. They use their power over... Women who who have to question their ability to maintain their careers, and and fortunately we've made a lot of progress in the last few years, but it's still terrible, and it, it's something that it's not excusable. And I'm glad that he's out, and he will never get another job in baseball again. And I don't know if he'll be able to ever get another job again. Tough, tough for him, but good. Um, social justice, nice. Um, Love it. I think they should hire a GM. But, I mean, listen, you it's only January 21st. Pitchers and catchers, I mean, normally, who the fuck knows with COVID, don't usually report until mid-February. You're not doing spring training until the end of March, right? Well, this, yeah, the end of spring training is the end of March. Opening yeah. day, I think, is like the 1st of April. I think yeah. you have enough time to do some some actual research and find a guy. In my opinion, I think... Just to keep the momentum going in the right direction, the Mets should hire a GM, but that's just me. 
Yeah, or Alderson might just decide that he's going to take over because he had been advising. Yeah, uh, and I mean, he. the last time I could say the Mets were good, wasn't he the GM? He was the GM, and he'd been advising Porter on a couple of the of the personnel moves and, and the and the trades and, and guys they've signed. All right, well, I, I do feel good in Alderson's hands, and, and Cohen is just a very comforting figure. He absolutely is. Uh, and Bring he's not going to back, baby. They're coming. I think they're coming. He wants them. And maybe you can write. Maybe you can respond to one of his tweets. Follow him on Twitter and uh, and shout out the Black Unis. Maybe you can follow to me on Twitter at Sorry Sports. All right, nice. You ready to move on to some football, my friend? Yeah, man. All right, we had a good weekend. We had a good weekend. Um, aside from the Saints, it was pretty chalky. Although it did get a little iffy with the Chiefs. We'll start with the Packers. They beat the Rams 32 to 18. Rodgers was cooking in this game, played really well. Devontae Adams um, broke Ramsey's ankles a couple times, ended up getting himself a touchdown. I think golf, it was just too much for him. And the Packers are moving on to the championship game. Better Packers offense than Rams defense. Golf played well enough to win if the defense did its normal job, but it didn't, and you're not going to stop. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau. If you're a team that doesn't have a great quarterback and Aaron Donald was a little compromised, uh, they played their best effort in Seattle the week before. And to me, they just didn't have much left in this game. Not at all. Run it back next year. I don't know. Is Goff out? I mean, they gave him so much money. I don't think he's out. I, I would be shocked if he's out. He's under a huge contract. Yeah. I don't know. That's tough. I guess well, that's more for the offseason. Bills beat the Ravens. I was very wrong on this one. 17-3 in a freezing cold game. I think we saw a little bit of snow in Buffalo as well. Um, listen, Lamar, the week before that, uh, threw a bad pick. Obviously, with the team stopping Derrick Henry, um, he was able to come back from that. He threw another egregious red zone pick this week, and, and that pretty much did him in. Buffalo only scored 10 points on offense. So yep. The game was in hand, and that pick six in the end zone that was ran all the way back 103 yards, I mean, that you, you don't get for, up from that in playoff games. And, and Lamar, unfortunately, this has become a very a very uh, worrying He seems to take care of the ball for about 80 yards, and then he gets in that red zone, and all bets are off. This has become a very worrisome trend for him in playoff games. I mean, the problem, uh, the obvious problem is, is that when the window tightens up and the defense tightens up because you're in the red zone, you don't have that much room to work with. Accuracy is a major problem. And we know the Bills have a great defense, but I mean, in all of his playoff losses, and really even in that game against Tennessee, I know he had two remarkable runs, but that pick he threw up for grabs could have cost him the game early. If he didn't rebound, he has had a knack for having just the worst turnovers in the worst possible times in his three playoff losses. But get Buffalo credit. I mean, if you can have a game where Josh Allen and the offense really don't do much, I know they picked up some big first downs. Stephon Diggs had a day. But if you're only going to score 10 points, if you're Baltimore, you really like the fact that you should win this game. And the fact that not only did they not win, but it wasn't even close. Buffalo is legit. Mm-hmm. They absolutely are. It's going to be a really fun game next week. 
And following that, speaking of the team playing next week, the Chiefs beat the Browns 22-17. to Patrick Mahomes comes up wobbly in the third quarter. He's out with a concussion or the wind knocked out of him or he got choked out. I don't even know what the hell happened in that play. But uh, Chad Henney did enough to get the job done. A little shaky there, had me nervous, but they finished the job off and they will be playing at home against Buffalo next week. I thought Baker looked good in this game. A couple of things to ask you about this game because I think of all four games over the weekend, this game has the most to dissect. But yeah, I I agree with you. Baker played a great game. He played well enough to win in my opinion. Um, That that, uh, T. Higgins losing the ball there and having it be a touchback. I mean, first of all, that rule sucks. I think it's so unfair. A lot of end zone um, rules are very stupid. They're very stupid. And and because they, they didn't do anything wrong there. He dove for the pylon and came up a half a yard short and lost control, and all of a sudden they lose the ball. If, if that is even brought back to the 20, they're going to kick a field goal, and it's a very different game. Um, okay, so let's talk about Mahomes. He clearly was hobbled the entire game. Something happened to his foot, whether it was his toe, his foot, whatever. Uh, he's very gimpy. He's still making throws. He's converting passes. And then they run this quarterback dive on an option play and he comes up and he has no fucking idea where he is like no clue where he is. And I I felt like that was a very unnecessary play call because yeah, you're going to get the few yards for a first down, but at the, at the possible risk, high risk of your franchise getting his fucking bell rung to the point where he's going to have to leave, which is what happened. Yeah. I mean, you saw the play and had me shaking my head because I feel like they can get four or five yards at any time they want. You just line up either Kelsey or Tyreek Hill there, and, and you've got it, right? And the other thing was, like, you saw the lineman was trying to get him to stay down for a second and catch his breath. Um, mm-hmm. He knew his bell was wrong, or, well, he was concussed. We're not even going to call it that anymore. That's what they used to call it before the NFL even acknowledged that there was a concussion problem. Um yeah, I, I thought it was an unnecessary play. I think uh, after winning the Super Bowl last year, Andy Reid's taken some unnecessary chances with Patty Mahomes, but maybe Mahomes wants to do that as well. Um, I think they should have played a little bit more conservatively. I think he's going to end up playing this week, and I think they'll be just fine. I think he's going to play too. Um, if the NFL doesn't want to... If they're forced to acknowledge the word concussion, they don't have to acknowledge that the fact that he might probably still be concussed but he's the face of the league and he's gonna play unless he literally is so out of it that he has no idea what day it is or where he's going or if he winds up in a in the other in the defensive huddle um the biggest thing to me after the Mahomes injury was obviously the decision to go for it on fourth and inches with Henny that would have solidified the game which it did with a nice little Rubber out there to uh, to Tyreek Hill to pick up the first down. I really couldn't believe that they went for it. Even Romo, I'm thinking they're going to wind the clock down. Mm. They're going to punt it. At that point, Cleveland has no timeouts. Cleveland would be getting the ball from about their own maybe 10 because they're not going to run it back on the punt because they got to save clock. They got no timeouts, and they got to score a touchdown. It's not a three-point game. Very ballsy. That's the way to go. My question to you is could – were you as in as much disbelief as I was? And B, is this truly a move that Reed only made because he now has that ring on his finger? Because before that, and you do that and you don't come up with it, 
I mean, that's as bad of a coaching decision and, and lapse as you can possibly have. I, I do get the feeling that he all year has been coaching a little bit more free than he, he did any year before this because he does have that ring and he's got that monkey off his back. Um, with that being said, I thought they were going to go for it. When they were lining up, I was like, they're gonna, I think they're going to do it. They're going to go did for it. Did you really? Yeah, because just the way – you know when they when you when they're gonna get draw somebody off sides and they're using a hard count. The only person who I can never tell with is somebody that nobody can ever tell with, and that's Rodgers. And that's why he gets so many crazy offsides, touchdowns, and all that others free plays. But I, I Henny just you know a backup quarterback that doesn't play that much and it's such a big moment. He's he's not gonna do a good enough acting job. I thought they were gonna go for it, and. I was like, wow, they got some real balls doing it. But, hey, they did it. That's a really good point um, about about Henny because, yeah, I, I mean, the worst thing in the world there is if even if he can't draw them off sides or, or he gets one of his players to, to false start, all right, well, now you know you're punting. There's no, really no big deal there. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that wasn't talked about that much until after the game was how valuable playing week 17 all out but having Henny play the whole game was because yeah that was my thought was I mean at least he doesn't come in with you know two reps of practice and and full and and rusty as hell at least he's thrown a football recently yeah first team reps leading up to week 17 played the full game so he knows the playbook he knows what plays he's comfortable with and nobody can match up with Tyreek Hill one-on-one so you put him in motion which they were doing all game and then he just slides out to the right and Henny rolls right a little bit and hits him for about a four-yard gain and the game's over even if that play was drawn up perfectly and if God forbid Hill doesn't have the can't catch the ball I mean, now Cleveland's starting from about the Kansas City, what, 45 or something like that? And now with no timeouts, but about 40-something seconds left, I mean, they, they're in full position for the way Baker was playing to possibly drive them down and score the game-winning touchdown, but uh, it didn't matter. Yeah, I mean, listen, it didn't matter. They got the job done, and we'd be talking totally different if if that didn't pan out that way, but it did. Um, so we are looking ahead to the next game, um, Battle of the Old Men here, and boy, did they look like it. Neither quarterback played very well at all. Tom Brady, 199, two touchdowns. The glaring thing is here, zero interceptions. He didn't make mistakes, and I think that was the difference in this game because in the first two games, he had five interceptions, and that was pretty much the reason why they lost. Drew Brees, mm. yucky. 19 for 34, 134 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. The other quarterback that played, Jameis Winston, 56 yards, one touchdown. And, Sean, let me tell you, when I saw that play, I don't was it after halftime or before? I said to myself, this game is over. The Buccaneers already won. The fact that they have to go with this trickery in order just to put points up on the board means that the Saints don't think they can do it, and this game is already over. Taysom Hill didn't play. The game was absolutely over. They listen, and a huge guy coming back, and everybody talked about it all week. Was um, the guy at LSU? What is it, Devin White? Mm-hmm. He held down Alvin yeah, Kamara. Middle linebacker. The guy had 85 yards rushing, but he didn't have a lot of receiving plays, and he didn't have a lot of big rushing plays. Um, I mean, can't guard Mike. Big fat zero. 
But again, it comes out that he's getting like three different surgeries, so I don't really yeah. blame Mike Thomas. I think he put it all out on the line for his guy, Drew Brees. Um, at the end of the day, Tom Brady did just enough to win in this game, and Leonard Fournette went off. That signing paid for itself just in this game today. And Drew Brees, I mean, I don't know if he officially retired yet. I can't remember. But I know he was debating on it, kissing the fans goodbye. Him and Tom Brady had a moment, blah, blah, blah. He looks like it's time to be done. Yeah, he hasn't announced anything yet, but it's it's safe to say he's done. Um, Phil Rivers, by the way, did announce retirement. He is done. Um, I'll so see him down at Fairhope. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there, man. I mean, this was the thing about Tampa Bay is even when Brady doesn't play great, which he didn't, he could play well enough to win, and that defense is capable of stepping up. And if you can run the ball well, and Fournette is capable every game of having a game like he did on Sunday, they have a legitimate chance to win every single game. And I think that this is much better for NFL fans and the NFL for Brady to go up to Lambeau and play Rodgers than it would have been for Breeze. Because Breeze has been done, you know what I've said, despite the injuries to the ribs and the thumb and whatever else, he's been done for a while. He has no zip on the football anymore. Brady does. And people making a big deal about the cold weather, you know, where Brady played the last 20 years, right? So, yeah, absolutely. But he's, he's a, um, he flew south for the winter. Um, I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, Snowbird. That was the word I was looking for. He's, um, he's having the blue plate special down there now in, in Tampa, um, eating, eating the senior citizen discount. So we'll see if he can still do it in the cold. It'll be interesting. I don't know the coldest game he played this year, but, it was probably, what, in Washington maybe? And that was probably, what, in the 40s? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, the, the, the wild card weekend game. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see. We have two games this weekend that are going to be a lot of fun. Let's go to the NFC first. We're here. I have the sport, the uh, the spreads. Um, I finally downloaded the Barstool Sportsbook. Not that I can even bet with it because um, I'm not located in Pennsylvania. But... I just figured it'd be a lot easier for us to get the spreads. Uh, the Bucks are plus three and a half in Green Bay. How do you feel about this game, man? I think that's a fair one. Um, I think I think Green Bay covers and wins. They have a terrible taste in their mouth from last year's NFC Championship game. They get this one at home, and I really like the Bucks. I love Tom Brady. How can you? go against Tom Brady. I think the only reason I'm going against Tom Brady is because Aaron Rodgers, who's might, who might win the MVP this year, um, his legacy is not yet cemented. I don't really think it matters whether Brady wins or loses. He's got his six rings. Rodgers wants a second one, and this is probably the best team he's had since that first one to do it with. So give me, give me Green Bay for all those reasons um, to cover and win. Okay, I'm, I'm right there with you. Again, I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl, and I picked Aaron Rodgers to win MVP, so I, I don't really have a choice but to stick with them until they're out. I think they're going to cover this spread. Um, I think that defense is going to do just enough, and I think Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and everybody else there are going to show out. Um, give me like a give me a little like a rough idea of what a, of a hypothetical score for this game is. Hypothetical score... I'm going to say Green Bay Packers, 32, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 24. 
I like that. Yeah, I was thinking something in like the 35 to 24 range, the 35 28 range. Uh, I think it'll be close, and I think both quarterbacks will make a good amount of plays. I can't see Tampa Bay scoring, you know, 13 points. I have to say, though, it would be a lot of fun to see Brady go to the Super Bowl again. I, I don't think that you can have a, uh, an issue with, with whomever wins this game. Not at all. All right, moving on to the AFC Championship game. We have the Buffalo Bills traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs, and this spread is reflecting that they think Patrick Mahomes is going to play. Um, in my opinion, they are minus three, the Chiefs are. Um, and let's just go with the assumption that Mahomes is going to play. Um, because I haven't heard anything that he wasn't. What do you think? I'll go with the assumption that he plays. Okay, give me the Chiefs minus three. I'm going to shock you, man. I'm going Buffalo. Ooh, okay. Um, I think Buffalo's defense is tremendous, and I, once again, yes, I know Mahomes came out in the third quarter, and there was a plenty of game left. I don't like how much in the game this Kansas City team leaves the opposing team and Baker Mayfield they made Baker Mayfield and maybe it is Baker maybe I'm not giving enough credit to Baker but this has been a trend we talked about it last week on the pod would you be surprised if it was a close game like you know you ask yourself all of their games are close they don't win any game super convincingly and Buffalo to me has the feel of that dominant team and Kansas City has the target on their back for trying to repeat. We know how hard that is, not just to win, not just to get to the Super Bowl, but to win one. Um, I just, <laughs> this Buffalo team has answered every single test that they've had this year. And maybe it was the way they beat Baltimore. I don't know. But I think they've been the best team in the, in the NFL for a little bit now. I think they're going to go on the road and win this game. Okay, I like that. I'm not as big of a fan as Buffalo's defense. Uh, they, I think they were a little bit better last year. I think they're more bend, not break this year. I think Not a big fan of Kansas City's defense either. I agree with you, but I'm going to take the guy that's done it before in Patrick Mahomes. I think if there's a guy that can break Buffalo's defense, it's him. Um, and to be honest, man, interestingly enough, I think this, this game comes down to who has the ball last. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the way Andy Reid manages the clock makes me a little nervous, but I think having Patrick Mahomes is deodorant for that. And I think the Chiefs figure out a way to win this one, and we're going to see a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl. We're not going to pick that this week. We're going to have a bunch of props to fuck around with and all that good shit uh, for our next podcast. Um, anything else, Sean? You, you, uh, what's pop culture looking like for you? Not much, dude. Really not much. Settled I haven't really in? been... Yeah, settled in. I haven't really been. Uh, I haven't really been following that much lately. You been to any good restaurants down there, or eating? Plenty, the of, plenty of plenty of good outdoor spots, dude. Let yeah, me ask you: Have you been to Franklin's yet? Doing that for the Super Bowl. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you're a big barbecue guy, but I know that place is famous down there. It's um, fucking really good from what I hear. I have not had it yet. There's a place called Terry Black's in Austin that's not far from us. That's where I've had the, the most that's where I've had the most barbecue since I've been here. Salt Lick about 45 minutes out. Um well, you're, you're name dropping places now. Oh fuck yeah, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, these I'm not doing they're doing just fine without my name dropping, but I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to give them the sorry to interrupt uh, endorsement. Good for um, them. 
plenty of good outdoor spots too man uh, big venues great food trucks yeah it's it's all good down here so no complaints uh what else have you been up to nothing really um Again, I, I mentioned Clockwork Orange. I uh, watched it a second time just to try and wrap my brain around it. Um, yeah, I, I still can't figure it out. Um, I watched the movie Chef recently with uh, John Favreau. I think he's an underrated actor. I have not even heard of it. Great movie. Uh, the chick from Modern Family, I think her name's Vagar, is in it. Um, I just really love food. I wouldn't classify myself as a foodie because I just think that's another word for asshole. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Luna, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the, the secretary of, uh, of Sorry Sports is, is a very good cook. I have heard. I have heard he this. He can cook uh, a little bit. And believe this to be true. So maybe he's slacking on uh, on his duties for us to, to be, test his culinary expertise. Never um, on me, man. He's always cooking for me. I just don't think he really liked you that much. Interesting. Uh, I've been watching a lot of reruns of like Seinfeld and Always Sunny on Hulu. Can you find uh, another you show, bro? Bro, I know. But <laughs> I'm not even like I'm, I'm not even like pulling it up on my own. Like my roommate will have it on. And I'll be like, okay, like watching Seinfeld. Sounds good to me. Always sunny. You rediscover some good episodes, but I, you know me, I'm not the kind of guy that's gonna like surf on Netflix and Hulu and check out shows. I'm terrible at sticking with shows. Uh, there might not be anybody worse between a combination of TV than me because between movies and TV shows, I'm pretty much out on everything. Um, and it's not for a lack of interest; it's a lack of execution. Uh, too many sports to follow and. and stuff like that and well thank god actually, sports are back oh dude it, it's yeah absolutely absolutely well i got nothing else really going on man um we'll be back next week talking about so the super bowl preview well we got two weeks to do that i think we got two weeks to do it i think it's fucking awesome that we have the time and i think Where it's are they awesome the super that we're bowl? gonna make it it's in tampa oh oh that would yeah. be uh, they've never there's never been a home team super bowl right Nope. That'll be interesting. Plenty of NBA storylines. Absolutely. Free agents real quick, baseball, real quick, real quick before we go, I just want to get on my soapbox here and just please plead with the New York Jets really quick. Sure. Tweet from Adam Schefter. I sent it to you. There's no team out there better positioned than the New York Jets to put together a compelling trade package for Deshaun Watson. Please, New York Jets. Please. I'm on my knees right now. I'm begging you, please. What do about something. your baby boy? Dude, no. I'm not even going to bring him into this conversation. I, <laughs> I, I, like, do something interesting. And, and honestly, like, I'll feel like I won the Super Bowl if they get Deshaun Watson. If you get Deshaun Watson, you immediately become one of the most interesting teams. And you'll find ways to maneuver the cap. Let me just you, read you a tweet from Daniel Jeremiah, okay? That was attached to the Schefter trade. You could trade the second pick this year, parentheses. They still have the 23rd. First in 2022, they have two. And if, so that means they'll still have a pick next year in the first two round in the first round this year and next year. And a first in 2023. That's three first round picks. And you can get picks back for Sam Darnold. Come on, Jets. Please. I want to see it. 
I'm gonna join. You're you not even really box. mortgaging your future that much. You still have first round picks in order to put players around Deshaun Watson. It's not like Deshaun Watson is gonna be here, and you're not gonna have the opportunity to put cheap, cheap young players around him. You can still draft guys, and you and will still have free agent money left over in order to sign maybe a wide receiver or two, or an offensive you'll lineman. Have, you'll still have cap space and. There is no better change of culture from what you've had, and this is no offense to Darnold. Darnold is a great teammate. He's not somebody that moves the needle. He's not Deshaun if you, Watson. For if Christ's you sake. bring, if you bring in Robert Sala as your head coach, who I listened to him on the Michael K show today, the guy is fucking amazing. New York fans, love. Jeff fans are going to fall in love with him. And then you bring in Deshaun Watson. I like who they brought in as their, as their offensive and defensive coordinators too. Nothing better. Nothing better. Make the move. You're not going to have a chance. We the, the thing that drives me nuts with the NFL... Has there ever been a chance like this before, Sean? Ever? Not that, to get not a 25-year-old quarterback that's probably a top 5 to 7 quarterback in the league. If you put Deshaun Watson on your awful team from this year that you won, what, two games? You win six games at least. Like, he will win games for you on his own. He's that great. And... He is a prominent African-American voice and absolutely one of the top players at his position. There's every reason in the world to bring him in. I, I, I can't understand. Sometimes in the NFL and in sports, dude, there's too much thinking. Stop thinking. If you bring in Deshaun Watson, he is better than anybody you could draft who could turn out to be good. They're not going to be Deshaun Watson. Nobody. Maybe Trevor Lawrence will be. But we already know what Deshaun Watson is. And he's not 29. He's not 32. He's 25. Make the move. I'm right there with you. You, you inspired me. I'm not even a Jet fan. I, I'm with you. Do oh. it. Sean, please. I'm begging you, Jets. Please. Please. We got about a month and a half, two months to figure that out, man. All right, my friend. Jets, please do it. Everybody stay safe, wear your masks, anything else to say. I echoed everything you said, pal. Be good, everybody. Everybody have a good week.